I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. I'm Michael Garneri. And I'm Douglas Lehman. And we love to watch. We love to watch good actors burn up on re-entry. But the film is a sad thing for For she's lived it ten times or more She could spit in the eyes of fools If they ask her to focus on singers Fighting in the dance hall Hey, Doug. Hey. <laughs> we we I finally got my first. dog on an episode, and he speaks. Hello, hello. I am the dog. <laughs> <laughs> and the dog sounds like Sam Levine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's the best compliment I've ever gotten in my life. I should say I've, I've said Doug about 30 times in the last half hour. Doug is staring on at me and not reacting at all. He's a bad Doug. <laughs> I'm not a bad Doug. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we also have Michael Garneri, who in the I, I spent the last year learning to say his name. I went away to a I went to a Garneri camp where they just repeated it over and over again. You know, it's intense, but I mean, it's really necessary in the long run. Uh, Governor Mike Pence had a, he was he was very clear in establishing this. It's a policy. It's very important for people. It's a little harsh. Little outside the extreme, but you know it really increases value. Yeah, I was disappointed they cut off my dick on day one, <laughs> but I, I mean, said it wrong. So I mean, would you prefer day five? Yeah, it's best to get that out of the way at the beginning. All the Garneries don't have that appendage, so you know you just gotta be one with the Garneries. <laughs> <laughs> he was getting me closer to Garneri. Oh, that's the worst Bodine song ever. <laughs> oh, so yeah so we we were gonna get right into it because we have two guests two movies and we forgot to do a good one uh but <laughs> yeah you sure fucking did <laughs> <laughs> so so uh we're gonna let so we're doing mission to mars and red planet uh the the most ill-conceived uh selection we could have done uh i pushed for it i'll take all the blame i will come to aaron's defense here and say that this could have been worse we could have done red planet and the space between us because the space between us is worse than either of these mars movies and oh my god how is that possible no it is though dude if you watch it you'll what about, me. Uh, mars, <laughs> mars needs moms oh that's even worse than all these yeah i gotta tell you i i watch both these movies no moms. So <laughs> that is true. I think that movie was onto something. Well, it was it was fulfilling a niche, you know. Yeah. The the uh, the niche audience that really wants to see Dan Fogler make out with a Martian is that the niche audience that Mars Needs Moms was a <laughs> Doug. No one's seen Mars Needs Moms except except you. <laughs> That's you can't me. say specific <laughs> references to these movies. I was the yeah, general what? things. All the other fifteen-year-olds in my high school class were. Like partying, and I was like, I gotta go see Mars Needs Moms and IMAX, guys. That's that's my thing. What, what Egyptian tomb did you unearth that you got this curse on your body <laughs> I, that you yeah. had to see Mars Needs Moms? 
The I need to see every Disney movie curse, okay, Peter? It's OCD. Oh, the Masterpiece Theater curse. Okay, <laughs> the got it. The Masterpiece Theater curse. That's 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 perfect. Yes. Uh, so uh, so yeah, so we're we're gonna get into it. Uh, before we we're gonna skip a game like we did last week. We have so much movies to talk about. Um, and we gotta we gotta fill two hours with us saying that wasn't very good. No. Uh, <laughs> so. So before we do that, let's get into it. Um, Doug, hi, Michael. Yes. We need you to introduce yourself to our audience. Michael's been on the show before, one of our fan favorite episodes, uh, Deliverance. So we're gonna let Doug go first and say three things about yourself. Okay, uh, three things about myself. Well, hello, uh, listeners of the podcast world. I'm Douglas Lehman. Uh, I'm a 21 year old, and the first thing I suppose you should know is I am trying to. It's get not a- Tinder, Doug. What? <laughs> it's not Tinder. <laughs> oh god i'm gonna be laughing too much tonight okay first thing you should know is that i'm just trying to get a trying to get a bachelor's of arts right now with a film concentration uh second thing you should know is i have a major love for theater including musicals and plays and the third thing is i love movies as can be you know, evidenced if you talk to me for five minutes. I love all kinds of cinema, and I'm so glad to be here with way more knowledgeable film geeks who are super talented and are allowing me to be in their presence. It's cool to be here. It's just, it's just age. I will say about Douglas. Douglas is one of those people. I think that, like, even on even on this show, which you know relies on us loving movies to get like through it and to have produced every week like we have to love movies like douglas is somebody who's like this pure movie nymph who i think never loses never seems to lose like that like (laughs) that like romance Thank you. Yeah, like, like, a, like, like, painfully so. Like, it's, <laughs> like it's, it's so sort true. of uncomfortable in a way. It is very true. I'm very <laughs> uncomfortable. I keep getting told that. It is. It is weird. So we'll we'll talk about Douglas's site at the end for plugs. But it is weird that his rating system is every movie he posts a picture of how hard his dick got. <laughs> <laughs> like we know you're enthusiastic i appreciate unconventional rating systems thumbs been done stars letter grades i get it but you know yeah the enthusiasm borders on pornographic yeah times. you just you just gave the mummy a scathing half chub <laughs> Oh, yeah. God. The lowest rating is half chub because he's twenty one. <laughs> That's great. I, I know what I'm adding to my site tomorrow. Uh, all right, requisite dick talk of guests we've just met out of the way, Michael. <laughs> why don't you tell us three things about yourself? Uh, okay, uh, two days ago I got my master's degree. Um, Woo! Congratulations, one... buddy. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, one day ago. Um, I slept until I slept until 1 p.m. And today my pizza arrived an hour late. Those three things about me. Was it cold hey, pizza? Michael. It was very cold. It was as cold as Armin Mueller Stahl's demeanor as. <laughs> I like that you picked that instead of as cold as it is on the surface of Mars. <laughs> well, nothing is that cold as Val Kilmer and Tom Sizemore's great performance uh, showed us. You could breathe on the Mars. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm going to say, those two performances, best performances in all the movies. 
They are. How is that possible? Uh, Ah, dude. But we'll get to me and Michael are going to team up on you two because I'm in the anti Val Kilmer camp. (laughs) Oh, so you're everyone that worked with him from 1980 (laughs) to 2002? Actually, he threw. So you're Val Kilmer from 1980 till now? Yeah. Uh, When I was watching the movie, he just Val Kilmer broke into my house and started beating me up with gym equipment. That was really weird. I don't know what that was about. It's. It sounds like you have fair grounds to not like Val Kilmer. I just like his movies. Um, I like his uh, but, frosted uh, tips. Do you guys want to talk about Mission to Mars and Red Planet? Heck, no. Yes. Heck yeah. I don't really want to talk about these <laughs> movies. So Peter and I are going to try to do something we did last week uh, where we're going to kind of do an in tandem recap and see where they split off because uh, they are very similar movies that came out the exact same year, Eight months uh, ago. the year 2000. One is directed by Brian De Palma. One's directed by <laughs> and uh, no one cares who directed Red Planet. I don't because think he never directed anything again. He's a TV commercial director. That was his first movie. Never directed anything again. And you could fucking tell. <laughs> it was. Okay. It has a distinct TV commercial uh, vibe, which is that it uh, every scene communicates the information, and then it feels like they cut every scene like to the bare bones. Like it's just like snap, 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 snap. Like there's no reveling in any drama. There's no like no, sitting sitting on a not. moment. Benjamin Bratt dies, and no one cares. I mean, like Benjamin Bratt dies, and people are like. Eh, uh, that sounds Which, sad. He jumped off. And a good movie should not happen. If Benjamin Bratt dies, I want to see people crying. I want to see. I want to hear violins. It should be a sad thing if we don't have Benjamin Bratt. All right. So Peter. So these. I actually think that they have a somewhat of a. They don't really have that much of a similar structure in the same way Rookie of the Year and Little Big League did. So they both kind of start with with um, that that they're going to Mars. And then they kind of veer off from there. Peter, do you, do you, do you want to, which one do you want to take for they a They veer recap? off after the title. Yeah. They, but I mean, we get to meet the teams that are going to Mars. One in a voiceover recap explaining all their character traits that the scriptwriter uh, diligently writ, wrote down. And then Mission to Mars with uh, a fucking boring 15 minute uh, barbecue. I actually like the barbecue scene. I'll say that. I'll defend Mission to Mars. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about Mission to Mars because I can be a little bit more uh, defensive of it in the spirit of the show. And you can talk about Red Planet because you hate them both. I don't. I, there's no reason for you to take on either of them. So we'll do the recaps. The whole idea of this is obviously to ideally to pick one that we think is better. Our, our idea was you could like both, but, but we're going to say which one does something better. I, I actually say overall. I think Red Planet is uh, the better movie. It's not a good movie. You're wrong. Very wrong. But but I, I think that Red Planet is the more enjoyable scene-to-scene movie. And so it sounds like the, the rest of you are on the Mission to Mars train. Yes. Well, that's going too far, but yes. I prefer anything over Red Planet. Even... <laughs> it's, it's interminable. I mean, my God. It was. It's an hour and forty five minutes long, and it felt like the longest film I've ever seen in my it life. Felt three times as long as Satan Tango. I mean, and that thing's ten hours. 
or something. <laughs> I feel I feel I feel the same way. See, I actually feel the same way about Mission to Mars in that I was I I actually looked at the clock and I'm like, there's got to be 20 minutes of this left, and there was an hour left, and I'm oh, like, you got yeah. no. They're both they're both pretty dull. Even if I were even if I were on Red Planet's side, which I'm not in this weird Sophie's choice. Um, <laughs> yeah, except that you want both kids to die, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, so was a bad who do I have to keep <laughs> alive? Yeah, so mission mission to Mars, I think, uh, charms me in ways that I think that the uh, Red Planet doesn't, and all those things that charm me about it are probably very fucking boring to the people that don't find them charming. The long takes and the swooping De Palma camera work, and like the fact that it's like more deliberately paced, like. All that stuff is very enticing to me, but like if it if you're not on De Palma's wavelength in this movie, I can imagine Mission to Mars feeling so much worse. I was just gonna real quickly say I actually agree with Peter totally in that um, Mission to Mars is better because um, it has a little more distinctive feeling to it. I mentioned on Facebook that I felt that it was a bit of a project for hire for De Palma, and while I stand by that, I think Peter's right in that the camera work does. Uh, is very evocative of his other films. So I think that gives it definitely another edge over Red Planet and a little more identity. And something else that makes it better than Red Planet, in my opinion, is that you like the characters. The characters in Mission to Mars act like real people. Where, like, Don Cheadle's actually really nice and kind in the opening, and I like that. You know, just seeing a nice person. And everyone in Red Planet is just, like, mopey and grim and the most... No, they're just, they're just assholes. They're all just dicks to each other. <laughs> I think the best, but I, I would say the best <laughs> performance and the best character, I made the joke about Kilmer and Sizemore earlier, that's not true. The best character and the best actor and the best performance in any of these movies is Carrie Ann Moss. And it's a shame. Oh, shame. my God, Aaron. Aaron, what the hell are you talking about? She is awful in Red Planet. It was a... I'm I'm at a loss for words. Michael, did you see anyone in fucking Mission to Mars? It was like they had the ability to act sucked out of them medically. No, no, no. Yeah, I think think Red Planet actually does have uh, at least performances resembling humans in it. Mission to Mars is the better movie. This is insane. Mission to Mars is the better movie, but and Don Cheadle is the only person Don in Cheadle. Mission to Mars that actually has a sense of charm, and that's just because it's fucking Don Cheadle. Like he can't help but be charming. Yeah. He's just car- charming as a motherfucker. He it's can't still help. his worst performance of all time. He's so bad. Why don't any of these people know how to act anymore? Nobody knows how to use Tim Robbins is an issue. Um, the Coen well, brothers I, knew I, how to use him, and no, Frank I, Darabont okay, know how to Peter. use him. Peter, Peter, you're wrong about that because too, because he's fucking terrible in uh, Hudsucker Proxy too, which is a no, good he's movie. great. What the he's fuck are you no, talking about? Completely miscast. He's so no, good. No, he's no. so good, good in Hudsucker Proxy. Michael. He's so bad. He's 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 not funny. He's let in in that. He's, okay. Anyways, he's, he's, anyways, he's while like Michael's a, being oh wrong. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> while Michael's being this wrong, really turned uh, into a Michael. Oh uh, no. <laughs> well, it's what happens if you put someone in, in a room, uh, an internet room, with three people who are completely wrong. Uh, okay. Okay. Anyways, do, but tell them my, how wrong. Anyway, so the thing that we can oh, agree, me? I think we can all agree on, is nobody knows how to cast. Very few people, I include the Coens, uh, but very few people know how to uh, use. Uh, Tim Robbins and this Agreed. movie could not figure out what the fuck to do with him because he has very weird energy. He's not quite a leading man. He's not quite a charming dork. Very weird. He like can't. He, he's just in between. He's a, 
He's not even like an elderly like mentor figure to Gary Sinise, which I could see maybe that fitting into the movie on a conceptual level. He's just sort of there, and then he's not there, and then they spend way too much time on the scene where he's like floating in space, and they might get him, but they don't. Yeah, it goes on forever. Amazing trivia bit: that scene is longer than the entire movie somehow. Yeah, no, <laughs> you're you're right, but that's the problem. That's the problem actually with both of these movies, which is something that. I really, you know, I watch them back to back, and it's something you really realize, which is that movies set in outer space, it's hard because the pacing of having people in these big clunky spacesuits in a zero gravity vacuum environment, uh, moving without friction or inertia or anything like that, it quite literally and figuratively and literally slows down the movie. So you've got this scene, and it's like one of the crucial scenes in the movie Mission to Mars, where Tim Robbins is slowly floating to <laughs> Mars and he's going to burn up on orbit because he's going to slowly collect, you know, speed as it goes on. But as it for the moment, he's just very glacially floating surface of Mars. And it's supposed to be a tense scene and it doesn't work because there's no speed. It, it's, um, it doesn't help uh, that that uh, scene uh, is shot like a Saturday Night Live sketch where it's clear <laughs> yeah. that the other three actors are standing on a platform and pretending to bounce in space. Okay, so yeah, here's yeah, what I'll I say liked, about that. Well, can I, can, can I, I, the thing is though, and I liked what uh, Tim Robbins and um, what Connie Nielsen, I think, I liked what they were doing in the scene in terms of like their, their performances. So I will disagree with you guys on that one. Um, but just, it's a complete, completely, there's no, there, there can't be any rhythm to it because it's just, it's just, it's like the slowest, it's like watching a slot. I mean, it's okay. It's, okay. I'll, I'll disagree with you a little bit and also kind of add to that in the sense that I think that the problem is it's supposed to be an action scene that, um, by the nature of space, like, this is a good point. That's a really good point to make. It's an action scene that by the nature of space and the fact that, you know, it's hard to traverse through a zero gravity environment um, and without a pull rope. And even when they are using the pull rope systems, they move really slow. There's a couple ways to get around that. Gravity uh, uses explosions and propellants and people yeah, right. like and fast moving objects and this limber, beautiful camera work to keep things moving. Yes. Um, 2001 makes it into this balletic dance, and it's not supposed to be an action scene. It's just supposed to be this, like, um, this dance of the cosmos. Right, and, right. uh But this movie is trying to do uh, – and I don't really like the De Palma-Hitchcock comparison all the time because it's just, like, a thing of convenience. But let's just use Hitchcock for convenience here. It's trying to be a Hitchcockian tight. Every single shot is establishing something new. And I agree. It's just that they – he needed to have a more limber camera work like Gravity yeah. has. But I will yeah. say during that scene, I was very tense and very uncomfortable. And I felt what the movie wanted me to feel. And I don't think it's as bad as say like I, I, the best way to compare it is uh, what's the other zero gravity thing? It's being underwater. Well, Thunderball has the most interminable fucking <laughs> yep. scenes. So oh, Thund- Thunderball has these awful underwater scenes, and I think very few, very few directors have figured out how to shoot scenes in space or underwater action scenes. Yeah, excuse yeah. me. Yeah, no, you're 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 completely right. It's been like a hundred years, and no one can still fucking. 
get yeah. it right. So it's interesting. It's interesting though, Peter, that you mentioned the camera work. So um, I'm going to say this, and then I really want to circle back and at least give a 30 second rundown of the basic plot of these movies in case someone. Yeah, hasn't we seen probably them. should do that. Yeah. <laughs> but the one thing I want to say is that this was especially difficult to watch i felt like after watching you know we did we did our first apollo movie for this podcast last month which was the phantom of the paradise and it was amazing how everything was put together and edited like a genius we talked about in the episode that it, every piece had meaning and watching this like lackadaisical version of of de palma I can appreciate that he's going for more of a slow pace to match the way that space works. I can appreciate that he's going for a little bit of a Kubrick vibe. But at the same note, it, I I think the only scene that really demonstrates the expertise, and it's the best scene in any of these movies, in both of these movies, is the scene where he's wa- they're all walking around the rotating space station. Yes. I think, I think it's a really good scene. I think it's the, we can talk- That is a good scene. I think it's the it's best beautiful. scene in both these movies, but I think that's the only time he gets that down right. And the rest, I can respect what he's trying to do, but at the end of the day, I think Mission to Mars, I dislike more because there's so many pieces in place that should make a movie that doesn't make me want to go to sleep. I like, I actually like the story beats. I like where it goes. I'm a sucker for that whole, actually, this is what's going on. You know, the contact stuff, the 2001 stuff. Right. It's got De, it's got De Palma uh, as the director. Well, it's, it's, yeah, and it's smarter, too. It's, like, smarter written. And I don't, I don't, I'm not story, going to sto- No, no, story-wise, but I would say that the, I think, I think the, the performances that are probably also uh, hurt by the dialogue the dialogue is really bad. The dialogue's really bad. I think well, I think those two, really in both, both in both the dialogue is terrible. Yeah, the, but the dialogue yeah. is no, awful. It, especially in Red I think the dialogue doesn't yeah. work in either. So I guess I guess my point is and we can now dive into it because it sounds like it's one against three here, is that I probably judge Mission of Mars harsher. So Mission of Mars at its best version could be a five star amazing movie that we all talk about because in theory, all these pieces are in place. Red Planet at best could be a mediocre action movie. So I I feel like Red Planet gets closer to its mark than Mission to Mars gets to its mark. And as it sounds like it's going to be three against one on that level, that's kind of my thesis for why I think I think Red Planet succeeds more than Mission to Mars. So really quickly, though, we you guys, let's quickly just do the quick 30-second rundown. So I'll do Red Planet. Peter, you can do Mission to Mars. So Red Planet is basically a group of space people. <laughs> That's not right. They're not space people. They're Earth people. <laughs> They're going to space. <laughs> and they uh, and they uh, are going there because they have destroyed the Earth and they have been terraforming Mars for a while. And they're like, shit, uh, something's not working. And everyone on Earth is going <laughs> to die if we don't figure this out. So they get the best. They get Tom Sizemore. They get ben- <laughs> Benjamin Bratt. <laughs> you don't want to send Tom Sizemore into space? What an awful idea! Sorry. It, 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 it is. It is. It is great too because they actually introduce like the best people, and then it's like and Tom Sizemore, <laughs> <laughs> right? I, just sweating. He's just. I mean, he's the sweatiest actor. It's so great. He's literally introduced. He's literally introduced distilling booze and then hitting on his commander. <laughs> Oh, it's so great. Not just any, he's making moonshine in space. That's he's right. literal moonshine. If Tom yeah. Sizemore was an astronaut, uh, yes. If Tom Sizemore was an astronaut, that's exactly what he'd fucking do. I fucking love that. He, the movie's shit. 
I love that Tom Sizemore's in it as a sweaty piece of shit, though. I thought it was weird <laughs> that they introduced him as actor Tom Sizemore. <laughs> that he has, yeah, he, was, really he played himself. Uh, it was really weird. So, uh, so then, so they go and they're like, they also have a robot that they're going to use on Mars. They part, there's a bunch of atmospheric stuff, some asteroids. Uh, they get separated. They crash. They don't know what they're going to do. They're like, oh, shit, this air actually is breathable. Let's take off our helmets because we're going to die anyways. And But they're like, but where's all the algae that was terraforming? And they find out that these bugs that eat the algae that are, I guess, from Mars. And they are uh, saving the planet. <laughs> um, and and so they're like, fuck Mars. Let's just bring these bugs back to Earth. We're going to be fine. Well, that's what they're, that was their plan at the end. They said, we can now just bring the bugs back. But well, why would you want to bring the bugs back? They just eat people. Yeah, but they save planets. <laughs> but, I'm guessing they would be like farms where they can't eat people. Yeah, I'd like. That they would like be a huge risk, though. <laughs> they were saving that for the sequel. <laughs> Redder planet. Too red, too planet. This movie was kind of sold as like uh, they're they're trapped on Mars and there's a killer robot on the loose. Yeah, that's the because the robot Amy does crash land and malfunctions, and they have a couple encounters with her. Well, it's because there's nothing. There's no. Moment. I'm sorry. I, I, am I jumping ahead? I don't care. But there's there's no fucking momentum or um, character based plot developments in the film. It's just a series of incidents yep. that don't really relate to each other. Yep. So the robot going crazy and eating fucking Simon Baker uh, has nothing to do with the fact that uh, Benjamin Brack gets kicked off of a cliff. And that doesn't have anything to do with the fucking bugs. And that doesn't have anything to do with uh, uh, Terrence Stamp, oh, yeah, Terrence Stamp starving to death or whatever. It doesn't. It's just. It's just all a series of beige incidents. It's just. It, it could be like a fucking uh, RPG, uh, or, or it's like a bunch of nerds sitting around a table uh, role playing. And now I roll to see what happens to the robot. I mean, it's just there's not there's no there's no design. There's no craft. The characters don't cause things to happen it's just incidents so four four stars from you <laughs> hey <laughs> michael there is a design to the movie specifically in the uh, robot the robot looks like it was designed to be in a spike it's movie i think that's that's being generous i think it looks like it was designed to be a screensaver oh, yeah maybe not spy kids maybe the adventures of shark boy and lava girl in 3d <laughs> no, that's like I like I like Amy enough. I mean, Amy makes at least sense as like this hyper practical commit like a uh, military bot, like in the way that it can like. No, it doesn't. <laughs> what are you talking about? Why would it? Why would it? No, explain to me why I'm wrong, then, Michael. Explain it, to me. Why would you make a, a hyper practical military robot that's shaped like a dog? What's the purpose of that? That acts like a dog. I mean, I mean that's that's literally that's literally, that's literally the robots that they are making though. Now. Yeah, they literally are making robot dogs that can walk. It's because they can they can traverse environments better with legs than with wheels. I that's literally what they're doing right now. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think so. Have you Info not seen Wars, the video in, of them in, kicking Info that Wars. robot dog? No, Infowars.com. You can see the truth. <laughs> no, have you not seen the video of that dude? Uh, they're working on a, a bot to go out in, in war zones and like defuse bombs and shit. And that dude kicks the bot to see how it'll react. And it reacts just like a dog. That super creepy video. I haven't seen They're that. literally building work dogs like that. Work robot dogs like this. Yeah, but why would you? Uh. The main problem I have with like Amy personally is that she doesn't fit them <laughs> personally. <laughs> it sounds like a, like a, like like group therapy or something. Like, hi, she, I'm Douglas Lehman, and I saw Red Planet. 
I'd, uh, it's like a group therapy. But, um, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but seriously though, Amy's problem is that she doesn't fit the movie. The rest of the movie is so subdued, like to the point that it doesn't have a pulse. And then every 30 minutes, this robot cat comes into the movie and it's like, where did you come from? They, they don't keep track. They don't keep track of these things. Uh, as far as I know for the Guinness Book of World Records, but I will say that if they did, Red Planet would clearly have the most sitting in a movie of all time. <laughs> More than 12 Angry Men. It's quite amazing. Screw you, Jeanette Dillman. Um, and I, I will say the weird thing about the two movies and the thing that kind of is interesting about the movie from my perspective, the heart of Red Planet, like the humanity is in the characters. Like I have fun. Ah. Like Time Sizemore feels like a real human being. Val Kilmer feels like at least something resembling a real human being. He's not charming, but he's like that Val Kilmer douchey charming where you're like, you're like, oh, OK, so I know why you would you do well in the 90s. And then in, in Mission right. to Mars, all of the real humanity, except for Don Cheadle, is in the camera work. All of, it's all um, it's all the sort of Hitchcockian idea of humans as cattle. Like it's all imposed meaning on people. Like so, so that the production in Mission to Mars is giving all the people meaning, but the performances are just not. They're they're not doing their whole share, right? I think De Palma is doing a lot of the work here. I, I think I think the special effects are better in Red Planet too. Anyway, that's wrong. That's no, wrong. Whoa, that's whoa, right. whoa, hold on, hold on. That's wrong. Whoa, hold on, whoa, hold on. Whoa. Minus Amy. I mean, just being on Mars. The Mars part. It looks better in Red. Wrong. Planet. No, 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 no. The space station looks like it looks like a computer screen. Saver. I said the being awful. on okay. Mars part, Michael. Okay, you're right. Australia Australia doesn't look like it's CGI. You're correct in that. <laughs> I think yeah, it doesn't look like a green screen where someone, like, put put a Windows background of Mars. I need to go back to Peter Schellman about Val for a second, his character in the movie. I respect that you like him in Red Planet. He is just such a blank slate of a character, though, to me. Like, no, he, well, no, he's he's not a blank slate. He has one thing on that slate, and that's be an asshole. Well, but no, his other thing on the slate is that he tells Carrie Ann Moss when he uh, sees her come out of the shower, his other big defining trait is that he says that to Carrie Ann Moss, he's like, hey, you're much sexier than my uh, two sisters. And that's his other big trait is being just a creepy so, weirdo. So, right. So we know he has sisters and that he's not <laughs> particularly sexually attracted. <laughs> or is Yeah, he? well, that's that's not a character defect. <laughs> that's true. That's <laughs> a positive thing. Good. It's a defect for me. I do like, though, Peter. Oh, I'm sorry. I, so actually, I, I, it's okay. I want to circle back around to Peter. So as long as you're talking about Mission to Mars, why don't you give us the quick rundown of that? And then let's just keep saying things at different <laughs> volumes. <laughs> so, yeah, I, 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 no, I was done. I was just saying the heart of the movie is 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 in the, the production and Mission to Mars. So. I don't think I don't think Peter was listening to what I told him. Uh, Peter, <laughs> we're gonna. Why don't we? As long as you're down. talking about the production oh, the of Mission to Mars, rundown. why don't you do the quick it. plot? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Go to Mars. Um, so, Mission to Mars. The plot is that a expedition to the planet Mars is being sent uh, up. <laughs> First expedition goes poorly. Uh, then the second expedition goes in as sort of a rescue mission, and they end up finding one survivor on the planet, which is Don Cheadle. They sort of regroup. They reassess how to get inside this massive alien structure. They get inside the alien structure, and uh, one of them chooses to stay behind to discover this alien truth, and the rest of them go home to report success in the mission, the success on the mission, and also that the, the rescue mission was successful. 
Um, and yeah, that's that's Mission to Mars in a nutshell. You also forgot to mention that Mission to Mars uh, stars Gary Sinise, who we all know from the movie Open Season. Uh, he's the main character. <laughs> Gary Sinise is it, Gary Sinise is a nothing in this movie. He's very. He nothing. is the biggest problem with Mission to Mars. Let, let, let's let's start with Gary Sinise. We we've had this conversation about various actors in the past. I'm gonna say, is Gary Sinise a good actor? Yes, yes, he's a good actor. Um, Are you kidding me? In what? He's good. Oh my god, he's good in Of Mice and Men, he's good in Forrest Gump, he's good in Apollo 13, he's good when he played George Wallace in that TV movie and in the the, the uh, um, Path Toward TV movie. He's a good actor, what are you kidding me? Michael, did you ever get that pizza? Because <laughs> I did, I did and I ate the whole damn thing. I feel, I feel like your vibe right now is, I still want my pizza, and I <laughs> think I could get it from Red Gary Sinise. Michael Gordieri's going full out. And now you're here trying to disparage Gary Gary Sinise. Gary? I don't think he's a I, very I will good not actor. have it. He's yeah, I don't think he, Oh my god, what are you guys talking about? He's one of the founding members of Steppenwolf. What? I don't think he's a very good screen actor. Though. I don't think he's uh, one of the founding members <laughs> of Steppenwolf. He is, the Steppenwolf Theater Company. He really? Well, you can't say it like that, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's, I don't think that he wrote Magic Carpet Ride. He's the founding member of a Justice League? Well, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, but uh, Gary Sinise, I remember, okay, this is going to show how like young I am, and that's annoying. My first introduction to Gary Sinise was on the open season trailers or whatever, when they'd show his name, and I had no idea who he was. And from then on, he's held a special place in my heart, even if I don't think he's a particularly good actor. And he's not very good in Mission to Mars, but he is good in Forrest Gump and of Mice and Men. And that's all I'm going to add to the conversation. So when I say that Gary, when I say that Gary Sinise is not a great actor, he has one mode, and that is like... Forrest Gump mode. He doesn't like this guy. He doesn't have to display human characteristics. He just has to kind of be a grump. Oh, yeah. He's one of our great grumps and cranks on screen. But when he, <laughs> but when, when they try to get him to not grump, it's bad. Yeah. No, you're right. So I guess so. I guess what I'm saying that he's not a good actor, I'm kind of saying that he doesn't have any range. Yeah. No, well, I don't think that's true. I don't think he's right for this role, which is a different sort of thing. I think that what the issue is, and this is actually, I think, a problem with both of the films in both, in both Red Planet and uh, Mission to Mars, which both have uh, actually pretty stacked casts as far as, you know, getting talented people. Is Tom Sizemore talented? Tom Sizemore is extremely talented. Okay. Is it yeah, Tom Sizemore is a really good actor. Yeah. In, in the, especially in the 90s. Okay. What, 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 the, his problem was drugs. <laughs> Speaking of the cast of Mission to Mars, I think we talked about Tim Robbins, a really great actor. People don't know how to use it. He is terrible in this movie. If you told me that he was in, going through a light coma during his scenes, <laughs> I would believe you. Um, but I do want to talk about one more. I want to know, guys, why did we let Jerry O'Connell? <laughs> Jerry O'Connell in this movie was disappointing because every no, time he came on screen, why? I was No, like, I mean, why Why did we let him at all? Because he had the <laughs> rapping kangaroo. Because he was legitimately, he's legitimately great in Stand By Me. Yeah, he, he, warmed, he, is, yeah. he warmed our hearts in Stand By Me, and we decided to let everything else pass. Everything <laughs> else. Except pass. for Piranha 3D is good. And Kangaroo Jack is a disastrous miracle. So he did, he has Stand By Me and Piranha 3D. That's it. That's that's the only reason we ever no, could justify. He was also in a uh, Cats and Dogs: The Revenge of Kitty Galore. Yeah, listen, he's been in lots of things. That's not the question. <laughs> he's, 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 he's really so, good okay. in Toronto. So, do you do you think do you think that Brian De Palma after knows who sort Jerry O'Connell is? Do you think of Brian De Palma knows who Jerry O'Connell is, or do you think that 
after Femme Fatale, she was like, just get Rebecca Romaine Stanley's okay. husband. I'll be serious for a second. <laughs> First of all, Femme Fatale came after this. Yeah, Femme Fatale. Was it? Hmm. It's because De Palma did kind of start his like blockbuster phase, his attempt at like the blockbuster phase. I feel yeah. like with Mission Impossible, well, he did Untouchables, but then he yeah. kind of had this weird stretch in the '90s where it was like Mission Impossible, and then he did Snake Eyes, which I think is also a really bad movie, and then he did this. I think Mission Impossible is really good, but I felt like Femme Fatale. The reason I actually really like that movie, and that felt like an attempt to kind of get back to his earlier more both Hitchcockian stuff, but also more interesting and experimental stuff. I, I was, He's just I, like... Sorry, go on, Douglas. Oh, I apologize, Peter. I will let you resume your thought. I was just going to say about Jerry O'Connell. <laughs> the politest I've ever heard anyone of. I know, it's too sincere. I can't fucking take it. I love it. We're going to bounce from Michael tonight. But uh, in all seriousness, Jerry, uh, when Brian De Palma came onto the movie, apparently he was added at the last minute. Like, there was another director ready to go, and he came on like uh, only a little bit before they started shooting. And they had the whole script and cast already done. So I imagine when he got on set, he was like, Jerry who? Eh, whatever. Yeah, no, he does not. He did not and does not know Jerry O'Connell to this day. He's like, I guarantee if you ask Brian De Palma what he thinks about Jerry O'Connell, he would have no fucking clue. If you showed him footage of Mission to Mars with Jerry O'Connell in it, he would assume you altered the footage. He would not know yeah, what you're right. talking about. Um, Brian De Palma, I think, uh, is someone who I consider myself a fan of his work. Um, he has he is someone very much like Ridley Scott, where yeah, I excellent, think, excellent comparison, yeah, yeah perfect. perfect comparison. Where I think that both of them, in particular, they do take for higher work, but both of them are entirely dependent on how much that material interests them, and they will take shit that they have no interest in. We might disagree on whether or not he has interest in this material. I think that if he didn't have interest in this material, he would have shot this movie so boringly. And there's a lot of very clever shots in this. Like, it's a very, yeah. it feels like a very tight movie to me. It's well, fun. yeah, and I think that both of them, I think both of them are, they, they'll they they'll turn in a certain amount of effort, no matter what the what the project is. I would disagree and with because that. They're, and because they've got enough talent, that'll go a certain amount of the way. But on the really, they're truly, really, truly brilliant projects are the ones that they do have a a a much deeper connection to. So I I don't think there's any movie you can see where Brian De Palma is just completely at the wheel. Same thing with Ridley Scott. And I can. But Exodus, Gods and Kings. Michael, I'll add to that. And you you hit on something great. Good collaborators. Mm-hmm. I think yes. that if he had had, because there are actors, there are actors who it doesn't matter what the fucking director is doing. The actor is gonna. Go back to his trailer at the end of the day and find something in the character to like. Yeah. And yeah. Christopher Walken also does that. Yes. And then the Ennio Morricone score in this is really great. It is a good score. Uh, oh, at, le- I at fucking, least the theme. I didn't know it was I didn't know it was him, but it, it is. It's a great score. I, I got to that. There's even there's even he even gets to do a space western shot. The movie is not a space western. Uh contrary to the Mimi joke, this movie is not a western. Um, it's a tone poem, really. Space it's a tone Cowboys poem. is from the same. Mark is a character <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> so, uh, but he gets to do a sort of Monument Valley, some Monument Valley shots when the the robot is exploring the planet. That's very western, very wide yeah. shot. These these massive gray markers. Ennio Morricone gets to really shine there. He is a collaborator that it doesn't fucking. And I doubt he even came to set or did anything like that. He probably just saw the footage and says, "This is what." 
how I'm going to score this. He's somebody who doesn't matter what's going on. He's going to he's going to go and work on his project, turn in great work. Don Cheadle did the same. Tim Robbins did not. Brian De Palma clearly <laughs> did not care about the performances. So oh, yeah. Tim Robbins. See, uh, yeah. So here's actually here's actually what I think about the performances. I don't think, I think that. I think gonna fart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's what I think, De Palma. No, I think he was going for an aesthetic of G Wiz. I think I think he was going for, I think that's what he's going for. I think he was going for like this idea of these kind of like flat 1950s performances because the whole movie is kind of this gee whiz that that scene of Tim Robbins floating off would feel right at home on the TV show Lost in Space. It 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 feels like that's what he was going for. And I've heard from people that really like these uh Mission to Mars. No one likes Red Planet. No, no one really likes except me in comparison to Mission to Mars. <laughs> but I feel like the people that really like this movie and like uh, a French magazine, I'm forgetting the name, named it the uh, fourth Ka- best Kaji de Cinema. Kaji de Cinema named it the fourth best movie of 2000. There's there's a lot there's a, there's a lot of defenders of this movie. Absolutely. And I feel like they say that the performances are part of the overall aesthetic. So I don't I don't think it was a mistake. I don't. I don't think that everyone's like, well, whatever. I don't care about this performance. I think they were going for a tone that they fail miserably at. And as a result, instead of having that kind of gee whiz older style of like pre-method acting, I think it just comes across as bad acting. But I think that's what they were going for. It's weird. I agree with your broad ideas, but like not the details in that. I do think that one of the problems with the acting in Mission to Mars is that the actors are doing something and they're doing that thing, you know, I don't capably is not quite the right word, but they're doing that thing, but it's just not what's required. But I don't think that it's like a pre method 1930s, 40s thing. I don't think that's what they're going for. I think they're going for a more, I think what they do is they've got, you know, Tim Robbins and Don Cheadle and Gary Sinise and these like serious kind of, you know, uh, uh, actors. And I think that they're trying to do, sort of a a character drama but the movie's not a character but but see i here i guess here's here's my problem with that is that i feel like everyone gives the exact same type of performance and they deliver their lines in the exact same way so i can totally buy the theory that this tone and the way what i'm calling bad acting which is what it feels like I can totally buy it was purposeful because there's not one person who's not doing that same kind of – even Don Cheadle who delivers it more naturally. He's like the Samuel L. Jackson where he can deliver lines naturally that other people can't, even poorly written lines. But I think that Don Cheadle is still like, hey, guys, we got – oh, thank you. Like he's he's doing the same thing. He's just doing it better. And so the fact that everyone is at that same level – Makes me a hundred percent buy into this idea that this tone was on purpose. It's weird because I, from my perspective, I didn't. The biggest complaint I had with Mission to Mars, among a few other things, was that there isn't a consistent aesthetic or tone to the movie. I felt like it sometimes shifts gears and not in a way like movies can obviously convey different tones from scene to scene, um, depending on the plot details they're trying to get across. Here it did feel like it, they were almost shooting different movies entirely at times. Like the uh, first act is almost like a hangout movie where we're establishing the characters on the spaceship. It has a feel-ish of a Jerry Bruckheimer 90s movie and I don't know why I got that vibe 
maybe it's because it's like Armageddon where they're introducing the every cast member. But uh, well, it has the same structure as two thousand one. <laughs> exactly the same. Uh, no, uh, no, it it does. It does. Two thousand one no, is split does. up into. What are you th- talking about? No, two thousand one is split up into three parts. Two thousand one begin. Two thousand one begins with the barbecue. <laughs> the apes barbecuing. No, it, but but it is divided into three sections where. First section is you meet all of our characters. The sex, second section is their adventure in space. And then the third section is them meeting the crazy intelligence on the planet. Like, well, the but thing. that's not the structure the, of 2001. The, the first, I feel like that's more inter... I feel like the, the movies is are more like... Uh, inter, uh, the first one, Mission of Mar- Sorry, Red Planet is actually um, The Martian. And... Uh, Mission to Mars is more interstellar. Yes, yeah. yes, that is an excellent comparison. But but so, hold on, hold on though. So the only difference though in that structure, so 2001 is apes, it's the the big middle section in space, alien intelligence and redefining the worldview. This is the same thing except instead of apes, it's meeting all of our characters. Say, yeah, but that's a different who are thing. Apes? I will deliver who a are apes. I will deliver a hot take right here and say that the uh, third final of Mission of Mars, where they redefine their um, view on humanity. You, Douglas, I swear to fucking God, if you say it's better than 2001, uh, you're off the it podcast. Is mu- it is much worse than 2001. I will say that. Okay. This is interesting. <laughs> you said hot take. I'm like, we're not doing it. <laughs> we're not doing it. <laughs> 2001 sucks, bro. <laughs> hey, Terrence Malicator, I did know what was coming next. Oh, all right. <laughs> That's what I need to be known. Terrence, lover of Creech, hater of Terrence Malick. <laughs> Sorry, um, I interrupted your point. No, no. I was just going to seriously say that. Just in terms of the various aesthetics of the movie, it starts out as like a Jerry Bruckheimer-esque hangout movie. Then it becomes kind of a rescue mission movie in the second act. And then it becomes a weird out-of-nowhere existential exercise where they learn about humanity. And the aliens- I don't think it's out of nowhere. Yeah, I don't think it's out of nowhere. It came a little bit out of nowhere for me, but mileage may vary. I'm I'm I, bad at picking up the subtle things. I, I think the whole movie uh, there's there's it, it, you might just see it as dialogue that's thrown in to justify the third act, but I see the whole movie as man reaching out to the stars to find meaning, mm-hmm. and then uh, there's there's a bunch of throwaway lines in the first act that's like. Well, well, yeah, you always, you know, you always wanted to go to Mars and find aliens or whatever. In the second, the second act, there's even that that flashback dash tape. It's not actually a flashback because it's like in moment, but it's yeah. a tape uh, of the birthday party where someone says like, you know, you when you get to Mars, we'll, we'll prove definitively that uh, there is no intelligent life on Mars or something like a dumb, uh, like a, a joke of calling someone dumb. So there's like all these lines hinting that they're going to go to Mars for the purpose of reaching out and touching it. And right in the first act, they show off the alien face. So like, you kind of know there's going to be aliens on Mars. You just don't know what kind. So my, my favorite part, so I saw this in theaters in 2017. Uh, it was one of the only movies I ever thought about walking out of. Um, I'll say the exact, <laughs> the, the exact scene was the Tim Robbins scene. Um, I, I kind of came back when, when he's floating out into space. I'm like, this is this has been going on for 30 years. <laughs> um, and I here's here's where I got sucked back in. And I was like, never mind. I'm going to stick around and see how, where this goes. It's when he takes off his helmet and kills himself. And I'm like, wait, wait a second. You won me over. Is this good? Because in a PG, uh, great PG, it's a Disney movie. Tim Robbins is like your marquee star. And you kill him off halfway through, through this like, 
never mind, you can't save me, I'm taking off my helmet, and now I'm dead. I gotta give Mitch Namar's points for, for that moment, in terms of just watching uh, uh, Tim Robbins' face just freeze, just completely <laughs> into a skeleton. It's, yeah, really, it's really good. It's a, some, that, like, Game of Thrones ice white thing. Oh, it was awesome. That, and uh, when the guy's fucking ripped to pieces by the Mars tornado, fucking love that. Oh, I hate that. I thought that. those were two. a PG movie. Uh, it, yeah, Mission to Mars is PG. That's crazy. That yeah, I, I think that there's some pretty good. There's a pretty good um, opening salvo of mystery in the sense that there's a fucking like a uh, sandstorm, uh, fucking sandworm <laughs> combo that did shoes up people. I, I I didn't particularly like either movie, but especially uh, I, I thought Mission to Mars was a little bit better, but. I, I thought that scene was really great, honestly. The the scene where they're they're noticing the sandstorm formation thing. I thought that was like a really. Uh, I didn't know what was going man, on. The, the special I, I effects, think I think, kill it a little bit. I hate. So I I uh, I disagree. It work. It works. All the special effects in Mission to Mars pretty much worked for me. I, um, I agree. I thought they were pretty good. I thought they were pretty good for the year. But so the one thing I'll say about it is Red Planet. The reason it fails for me is um, even if. Everything. Now, even if it had, like, some goofy special effects and all that, if it were trashier, like, if the robot had practical special effects and it was, like, bloodletting and the robot was, like, tearing off limbs or, like... So, yeah, I would prefer Red Planet... uh, I would prefer Red Planet maybe if it were trashier, but um, Mission to Mars... kind of establishes itself as a very different movie. Red Planet is an action movie. Mission to Mars establishes itself as not an action movie, I think very early on, even during an apparent action scene. And that's um, in Don Cheadle's reaction to the cyclone. So, in a lot of movies, Don Cheadle will be, like, darting in past the... He's, like, putting stakes in the ground and trying to save his team. Don Cheadle is standing in terrified awe of the cyclone and knows that he, there's very little he can do to mitigate damage. And that's the movie basically saying, like, this might be a horror movie, but it's definitely not an action thriller. And they underline that by Don Cheadle saying, I'm just a guy standing in front of a tornado, <laughs> hoping to not get killed. <laughs> that was ADR, too. Um, that was Very the- obvious. His his mouth wasn't even moving. It was really obvious. It was clearly Charlie Kaufman saying it too. <laughs> Charlie Kaufman. <laughs> it was Lloyd Kaufman, <laughs> Phil Kaufman. It was all the Kaufmans. All there. It was it was all of them speaking at once. Yeah. <laughs> merged merged together like how they made the Tyrannosaurus Rex growl in Jurassic Park. So I guess so Peter you mentioned <laughs> Red Planet is a quote unquote action movie the most sitting and not even sitting and talking like a Tarantino action movie where they're like talking about their fate and bigger questions sometimes they just are sitting and staring it's sitting <laughs> and it's sitting and breathing that's what that's what astounded me about this film is that it's ostensibly an action movie and it's pattern it's like patterned and 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 structured like an action movie Except for parts where this robot dog is trying to eat people, the action scenes are Val Kilmer and Tom Sizemore lying on the ground uh, in spacesuits, breathing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's, just, it's so much. It's and awful. It does it does have my favorite moment in any of these movies, which is where the bugs all explode out of uh, Simon Baker's character. 
Um, so here's I feel I feel like we need to circle. So we've been talking about Mission to Mars quite a bit, and and I'm I'm realizing something as we're talking. Here is why I said that I liked Red Planet better in the moment. In that, and you guys can laugh all you want. We will. On one, on some level, I was kind of hooked into the mystery element of this movie, which was, mm-hmm. hey, how, why the fuck can we breathe? Uh, there's no <laughs> algae. Why the fuck can we breathe? So it, 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 it didn't bore me in the way that Mission to Mars did, where I was just not interested in what was going on. Red Planet had a dumb hook. It had a dumb solution to it. <laughs> but it was like, well, I, I want to know why the fuck they're breathing on Mars. because So that was enough to at least hook me and not make it feel like the hours were droning on. Now, having said all that, now that we're talking, it's not that I think that Mission to Mars is a good movie. But what I am realizing is that I have more interest in talking about Mission to Mars because, like I said at the onset... It is a movie that has a lot of pieces that never turn into a picture for a jigsaw puzzle. They are yeah. laid out and it just never connects. But all the pieces are more interesting to talk about. Mm-hmm. Maybe not to watch. Red Planet, I don't have much to say about it besides that was time I spent. And I don't know why they thought this was good. So the, I, I think I think that is the problem with Red Planet is that – you know, it, it has some okay moments. I like, like I said, I like the bugs popping out. Uh, I liked the mystery. I, were you guys at all hooked by the mystery? Or were you like, I don't care, this is so dumb? I didn't care. I didn't, no. Because I think the reason why I didn't care was because I just wanted them to breathe. Because watching them suffocate was so boring that I was like, just fucking breathe. And then it just seemed to will itself into happening. And then afterwards, I didn't care about the explanation because... It was just what I wanted as the status quo of the movie was that they were breathing. So at that point, and I, that might be that's a silly reason, but for me, that was. The mystery is really boring to me because, <laughs> like, there's just no character based motivation for anything. Like, there's not even. I know, like, you couldn't make. I don't know how to say this, but, like, the characters connected to the algae or whatever, but there's no motivation for them in, like, them being interested in the algae because it's like they can breathe why would you question that at that point if that makes any sense like you've got enough on your plate already in this movie where they're trying to get home it feels like that mystery is superfluous at that point you got to streamline your narrative because there's already like a robot for them to worry about and getting home is a concern but i don't think they were worried about the robot at all essentially like even the yeah. characters are but the i robot. think that's the problem with the movie and it's a problem with actually a lot of these kind of outer space movies now, as opposed to things like like uh, you know like your Star Wars kind of space opera things, but these things that are allegedly supposed to be like closer to reality, slight yeah, somewhat. Cl- I mean, you know, somewhat closer to reality. I think one of the problems is they have a space problem, which is that are excited by the prospect of space. They think it's a cool idea. They think space travel is a neat concept for a film, but they don't have anything in their minds and their imagination. The people who are making these movies to make space travel actually interesting without adding in superfluous elements like robots and killer scarab beetles and yeah agree with you that a lot of these space movies can't figure out how to make space dramatically compelling gravity can um gravity for its faults figured it out this movie uh red planet you guys didn't even figure out the fucking scarab oxygen thing am i correct 
It was just Aaron that knew about the scarab thing. Yeah, I, I, okay. my lack of interest had, I mean, my <laughs> okay. rational faculties were so down. it didn't, it didn't affect in any way your view of the movie. So in that sense, this movie could have been just about people that crash landed in the Australian outback or in Antarctica or like anywhere on earth that that's actually that and 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 the the killer robot thing is wildly disingenuous because it's two scenes and that's and I'll tell you what I I agree 100% with you Peter and Michael because the reason I saw Mission to Mars in theaters and didn't see this it was like oh they go to Mars and they have to fight a killer robot who gives a shit about that they're going to space do something interesting (laughs) like they could fight a killer robot anywhere Right. Yeah. And so who, uh, also, who cares? I, I liked both these movies as a kid too. Let me just yeah. know, oh, just because of the space kid? stuff. Yeah. Sorry, Aaron. So, I interrupted. No, 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 no. It's fine. So, but that's why I never even bothered to see it because it was like, how could you make a movie where you go to space and you do the least interesting thing? Where I think this movie could have succeeded, and I know that you guys were not as invested in the mystery, and I'm not wasn't that invested, but it was something to grab onto and, and hold on for dear life. Is that if they had made it a straight mystery, and the reason why I found it compelling, at least at the surface level, is that how can you breathe on Mars? There's not a lot of answers. The the general hook of we're terraforming Mars and something's changed, but we can still breathe, that's a good hook for a movie. Well, it would be a good hook for a movie if it didn't come like approximately 45 minutes into the movie. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. by the time it's that not that a happened, good movie. I'd already lost to interest. Be clear. So, yeah. yeah. Red Planet is just so scattered. It's really, it's 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 a bad movie. Like, these are both really it's bad such movies. such a bad movie. Jesus. The, again, the problem was is that who gives a shit about a killer robot? There's nothing interesting it's- about that. And the movie agrees because she gets <laughs> to do one little kung fu move and, like, kind of knocks, just, just pushes one. <laughs> Like, that's one of two scenes is that Amy pushes Tom Sizemore, and then Val Kilmer's like, yeah, military tactics. I love that you Don't think it's Tom Sizemore, because it wasn't Tom Sizemore in that Do- scene. Doesn't, it doesn't matter. Was it, was, did they push Simon Baker? Yeah, and Simon Baker is a car- is someone who I like in Land of the Dead and have no affinity for in any other movie. You know what else doesn't help Red Planet is the fact that it's um, got it's a lead performance from Val Kilmer that is just awful. Well, Val Kilmer is the worst in this movie. Disagree. He Jeez. he has the funniest line in either of these movies. Which one? The I'm going home crap? No, not the or fuck this Mars? planet. That was the most unearned fuck this planet. Like, weren't yeah, they weren't they still going to live there 10 minutes ago? And then he's yeah. like, fuck yeah, this they planet. They seem to like the planet. Yeah. Uh-huh. The planet's cool. Most, most They're like, hey, it's guys. It's such a, like, we need an applause line. We need something that'll get the audiences cheering. <laughs> that's like that's like if at the end of Titanic, there, someone's like, fuck this Pacific <laughs> well, Ocean or well, Atlantic like, Ocean. Fuck like, like, this iceberg. In, in, I got it would the be ocean like if in, gra- in gravity, Sandra Bullock goes, "I hate space," which she does. So let's not let's not pretend that Alfonso Cuaron and his son Jonas were uh, beyond that. Well, as you put your axe away, because I feel like it's done being ground. <laughs> uh, you know the line where he says, "Well, they were right in sc- uh, they were right in school. One day, algebra would save our lives." 
<laughs> I love the silence that followed. No, that was appropriate. But I, but it was, it was that idea of the reason I think it was. Uh, first of all, there's not that many funny lines in this movie, so I wasn't like there's doubled no, over. There's not a lot of. Oh, there's a lot of lines that think they're funny though. Fair enough. No, um, but I, 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 now that we've talked, we're talking about Val Kilmer and Doug. You talked about. You said that you you called him the lead. You don't seem to like Val Kilmer, Doug. That's a problem in this movie. Is actually who is the main character? I don't know. There, it's Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. It's love. Is it, Val Kilmer is, is it, the what, Here's my question. This is the question for any movie that has a lead character. Uh, what does, and this is something that Todd Alcott, who's a great, great, great uh, analyst of writing and screenplays. He's got a great website, toddalcott.com, and he's, he's brilliant. And he has an excellent question, which is, for him, is the whole basis of, like, how he looks at screenwriting. And it's, there are exceptions to this. Red Planet should not be one of those exceptions. This is not an this is not an art film. This is not you know he's not the the the, the director is not breaking new forms in storytelling or anything like that. Red Planet so question, is exactly like Andre Tarkovsky's Mirror. I the think question, we agree. The question is, what does the character want? What does Val Kilmer want? In this movie? I I fucking will give you a cash prize if you can tell me. Uh, what he, he wants to have sex with Carrie Moss. Ann Moss in space. Yeah. Which we only learn about through an abrupt if, flashback. If he at the does, very end. if he does, then there should, yeah, exactly, Douglas. There, there's no, they're in space for a year. We never that see them fun. fucking. Well, because that they flash funny, back and like say that it was there. It. Yeah, isn't she dating Benjamin Bratt in space though? Who knows? I mean, that's the thing. Like, there's no, there aren't characters here. They don't want anything. They just are there, and they have maybe one personality trait, which is just a quirk, like. Oh, uh, you know, Simon Baker's the nerdy guy and Benjamin Simon Bratt. Simon Baker's the psychopath. Yeah, I don't think he's well, the nerdy guy. He, but he starts off as the nerdy guy and then he kind is of. He? Yeah, yeah, that's his whole thing. Is he, <laughs> These characters are so ill defined. Well, yeah, that's true. But he starts off as like, oh, I can't believe I'm in space. And Benjamin Bratt's like, yeah, you weren't even supposed to be here, rookie, and all that stuff. But, anyways, regardless. Yeah, this all sounds incorrect to me. <laughs> well, that's how ill defined the characters are. But. I mean, is, is Val Kilmer the main character of this movie, or is it Carrie Ann Moss who begins and ends the film with the narration? So what I'll say is, she's yes, gonna get to know the janitor. That 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 was clearly that was clearly added after like three or four cuts of this movie. The 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 narration. Oh, yeah. So let me say something about Carrie Ann Moss because we have we have ignored her just like the movie does, um, and just like she ignored. Disagree. Uh, I said she direction. was the best performance. Oh in both God, movies. it's one of the I, I, worst performances she's, I've ever seen. Okay, anyway, so so, so okay, but uh, anyways, 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 died on the vine. <laughs> anyways, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna t- I'm gonna talk now, and then we're just gonna you're just gonna move on. Um, okay. so uh, Carrie Ann Moss, I think, is super fun in the beginning in a way that I you rarely see Carrie Ann Moss get to be fun in her biggest yeah. roles in the Matrix, Incl- including in film. Memento. Um, and she she uh, typically plays very cold. Very cold women who have really badass one-liners, and she can nail that. And she yeah. also has this sort of um, alien sexuality, and not like a David Bowie, like I'll challenge your mind, alien sexuality. But she has this sort of like, like I'm not going to be warm to you. I'm not going to be your fucking like cuddly teddy bear. Like I'm, I, but like. I'll take what I need. And in this movie, she has that, but she's like a little bit more fun. Like she gets to crack jokes yeah. in the beginning. And I'm like, this could have been her career is like making <laughs> well, jokes. Well, like that makes then, sense that her career didn't go anywhere after this because it's yeah, a terrible, so, terrible performance. No, uh, she's, 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 she's
Not Michael. Oh, I was just. I'm sorry. I was just going to review Michael. Um, you saying her uh, her career went nowhere? She was just in the Bye Bye Man. She was. I mean, uh, she was in the Bye Bye Man. But, the, but that's a. She that. played that's the a, first um, Bye. Blumhouse. I. I, I, <laughs> I. But that's a Blumhouse movie. I give every Blumhouse movie a roll, a roll of the dice. Like if you if a Blumhouse movie, it's not. Bye Bye Man isn't Blumhouse. It's not. Oh, it's some indie company that like STX bought it up. Oh, never mind. Blumhouse. I always give give the Blumhouse guys, I guess it's not. I always give the Blumhouse guys uh, extra like leeway because I'm like, oh, you're basically doing this movie for nothing on the risk of making money. So whatever. Anyways, Blumhouse has a good track record. So anyways, um, she I think she's fun in this movie and then decidedly not fun. So like she's fun at the beginning and then they make her into sort of like, um, Who's uh who's Kate Mara in uh Fantastic Four? Oh, it's Susan Storm. Yeah, Sue Storm in uh in Fantastic Four, the re- the recent reboot, where they yeah. make her the sort of princess in the tower or mom in the sky figure. <laughs> yeah. Where yeah. I'm gonna make the suits. She doesn't get to have fun. She doesn't get to be yeah. down on the ground. Where like I'm honestly well, hold here, on. here's Is the- anybody really having fun? They're all just laying on the on the ground no, suffocating. No, 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 no. But I'm saying in the movie saying, I'm saying in the in what the movie could have been, the uh, fun version yeah. of this movie is don't is leave um, fucking Benjamin Bratt or some sort of like, uh, yeah. you know, Brett, some sort of uh, bureaucrat asshole in the sky or maybe like a charming nerd like a Simon Baker or something like they had all the right. I think they had all the right actors for the roles. They just didn't write the roles well. Um, yeah. And then uh, and then have uh, fucking at the end of the movie, whoever dies, just have Karen Moss and Val Kilmer fuck on Mars and then kill a robot. <laughs> I, that's all yeah, I yeah. want out of Red Planet. At well, the and same also, time. No, so so I agree because I, I do think that Carrie Ann Moss is kind of the spark at the beginning of this movie. She kind of adds Oh, my life. God. She kind of adds, don't worry, I'm going to silence all Michael's yells on <laughs> the track. Uh, so, no, I but, can't believe it. But I think she adds a lot of spark and she's kind of, you know, because all the, all the interactions are she's the center at, whether it's. When they're distilling alcohol, whether they're talking at the table, whether Val Kilmer is walking in under the shower, so... And no matter what the situation, every line delivery is exactly the same. Sure. Uh, Which is consistent, at least. But but I'm saying that all of the get-to-know-the-crew interactions revolve around her, so removing her from the equation is a terrible idea. And that's well, what... Well, she's, she's the main character, but she it doesn't... Right? I mean, I I think we can all agree that the bugs are the main character. (laughs) (laughs) The bugs were the real friends we made along the way. Yeah. (laughs) I I think the problem is that Red Red Planet is not a good movie. You shouldn't watch Red Planet. No. No one should watch Red Planet. You should watch Hardware. If you want to watch a killer robot movie, watch Hardware. And if you want to watch a good uh, existential where are we in reality, watch 2001. Don't watch – or Interstellar. Don't watch Mission Mars. <laughs> and if you want, and if you want to watch Red Planet, you should hate yourself. So yeah, you know. I, I'm not going to go that far. I will just say I watched Mission to Mars first, <laughs> and I watched Red Planet, and I appreciated that Red Planet interested me on some level. Mission to Mars, as I said in the onset, it just it's so draggy, and everything feels like it's going so slow. And and maybe this is a little bit of projection from the my 17-year-old version of me that saw this movie. Really, why, one of the reasons I wanted to do Mission to Mars is that I thought I was going to come around on it. I thought, you know what? I'd seen two De Palma movies, Snake Eyes and Mission Impossible, 
But when this movie came out, you know, I had no, I, I had never seen all the things that make De Palma De Palma. This this movie has a lot of critical defenders. That it was doing something that I probably could have missed at age seventeen. I was I was really hoping to come around on this movie, and I feel like I hated it even more. Well, I was gonna say wow. you saw it, so you saw it in theaters, right? I did, yeah. See, I as it was ending, I was like, well, I didn't really like this movie. I liked it more than Red Planet, but that's not saying much. But I had this distinct thought of maybe if I saw this in theaters, I would like it a lot. Um, well, and you have to understand, too, I was uh, – so science fiction was like my genre. I was – I had seen every movie that was available almost at the video stores. Like I loved science fiction. And 2000 had a few big profiles. It had Mission to Mars and Red Planet, which I didn't see because I was like, well, this isn't the science fiction I like. This is them trying to do an action movie in space and I don't care about that. Uh, I had like Pitch Black and had uh, – which which I, which I was the only one of these movies that I'm talking about that I ended up really actually liking – and then a movie called Supernova, which Francis Ford Coppola did a lot of reshoots for, was kicked off. I forget the story. I've only can, can consciously remember thinking about re- walking out of three movies. One of them I did. Two of those movies were in were sci-fi movies in the year 2000, and that is uh, Supernova and Mission to Mars, where I'm like, what? This is so bad. Why? Why would you do this? It's it's about a concept I love, and you've you've made it terrible. And the only movie I've ever actually walked out of in theaters. Uh, is Tarzan and the Lost City, starring Casper Van Dien. Maybe there's a lot of just, this movie has the bones that I love, and it doesn't succeed on any of it. There, there is one thing I want to talk about, I want to bring up. It's about Red Plant, um, and it's about uh, Val Kilmer. And I want to talk. I want to talk a little bit about Val Kilmer. Is that is that cool with you guys? That, that- yeah. Why don't Why don't we talk about Val Kilmer and then just give some anything that we missed quick, and then we can do some final thoughts. I think this film is a really good encapsulation of the Val Kilmer experiment and why it ultimately failed. Um, Val Kilmer is a – Like he just uh, – listen, Michael, you, you can go on, but I can't imagine phrasing an art – like how far is it a, to a flight to Chicago so I can just kind of give you a quick like wedgie or like a flick on the nose, <laughs> something that's sort of violent but not enough that I could get an assault charge because <laughs> – who says the Val Kilmer experiment failed? Uh, probably lots of Hollywood studio executives who are looking at all the box office. Oh! Of the but anyway, but here's the thing about Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. Uh, <laughs> is Aaron dying? <laughs> well, th- what's what's funny is that I think Doug agrees with you, so this should be interesting. Well, no, no Val, okay. Kilmer, Val Kilmer is a, is a great actor. Val Kilmer... Okay. Yes, he is. So Val Kilmer is a great actor. He's done so many great performances uh, in films as disparate as Tombstone. Huh? What? Oh, I was just changing the noises I was making based oh, okay. on based on having a more positive reaction to what you were saying. <laughs> it didn't work. Uh, just yeah, just keep in going. Fil- in films as disparate as Tombstone, <laughs> The Doors, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Ooh, all kinds of films. Now. Uh, he's 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 an extremely talented actor. Um, Is he good in MacGruber? Apparently, he's so really good in MacGruber. Not, so good. Not, he's 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 fine. Uh, he's great. Movie. So good. Kind of, they they didn't really give him too much to. But what what the issue is about Kelly? Oscar winning weak. <laughs> Sorry, oh, go on. He, I love really I love I love Men's Spartan. Um, a few other movies. Yeah, he's he's really he's really great. In Heat too, he's really heartbreaking. Yes, but, yes. Um, 
and he's a, a fantastic Real genius. actor. But same thing with Gary. Same thing as Gary Sinise. Being a fantastic actor is not necessarily the same thing as being oh. this kind of actor. So what people are asked to do in certain lead roles is they have to not only embody the character traits that are being asked of them by the script, but they also have to do something else, which is that they have to engage with the audience on a level of a certain watchability. The problem with Val Kilmer that I think kind of handicapped his career in addition to him being apparently a huge asshole for quite quite a quite a long period of his career, him and Ty, um, Tom Sizemore hated each other in this. Yeah, right. Tom Sizemore and him got in a fight over gym equipment or something like that. Yeah, that was the that was the supervising producer, a man named Jim Equipment. Jim Equipment. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, like me better. But the thing uh, is that Val Kilmer he plays an excellent antihero or asshole. Or someone who is not necessarily meant to be liked. I think you should um, see Top Secret or Real Genius. Well, but here, here's the thing. In Top Secret, he is good at. But that's also a very ironic. Um, it, it's a performance in air quotes. You know what I'm saying? Fair like, enough. And Real Genius is kind of like that, too, where he is. He's the he's the Ferris Bueller of that movie. Right. And, and in Top Secret, he's sort of playing. He's joking at playing that kind of character. When he plays someone, like when he plays Jim Morrison in The Doors, it's an amazing performance. He plays him as this really kind of monstrous, psychopath, almost psychopathic kind of death-obsessed character. Because you're not supposed to like Jim Morrison. And it's uh, a, a And film. you shouldn't if you're over 17. <laughs> and, and in Tombstone. <laughs> and so you're not supposed to like him in the traditional sense. He's an anti-hero. In Red Planet, Val Kilmer is playing a character who has a lot of assholeish traits. Now, that is okay to have a character with assholeish traits. But in this kind of, you know, action, entertainment, blockbuster movie, you've got to have a kind of likability to the person and a watchability to the person that goes a long way. This is why, ultimately, Val Kilmer's career was eclipsed by Brad Pitt. Because Brad Pitt can do a lot of the things that Val Kilmer does. And he kind of has the same, he's the same sort of physical type. But he can do it with a bit more of the movie star charm so for instance i i recently rewatched the movie seven years in tibet which is not a great movie although it's kind of it's, it's pretty watchable but brad pitt's character mm. in that movie is a complete asshole and a nazi and yet you still watch him and you stick with him throughout the entire fairly long movie because brad pitt has a certain something and that's why he's been this big movie star for the past you know 25 years and that's why val kilmer has not been that so here's why i'm gonna disagree with you michael okay go for it um, I think that the reason that he stopped being an A-list star is that people stop wanting to work with him. We talked about this a lot on our Island of Dr. Moreau episode where right. jo- Joel Schumacher, where all uh, basically if he was in a movie, people didn't want to work with him again. But so it's I think more than I, that, though, because no, well, hold on, hold on. You, you hold on. Successful. No, people didn't want to see him as the saint. You know, OK, well, he was I mean, he was in bad movies, but I will say so any Brad movie, Pitt. true. That's what I'm saying. I actually think that – so I like Brad Pitt quite a bit. And when he's in a good movie, he can be one of the best parts of, of movies. He's in some amazing movies. He's in some terrible movies. His terrible movies, I don't think that Brad Pitt is that interesting to watch. I feel like Val Kilmer is always one of the most interesting people to watch on screen regardless of the quality of movie that I he's in. I don't know. I mean, so I, he, he has – you know, I hate to throw out Genesee Qua, but <laughs> – 
We talked about this a lot in Moreau. I've never seen an actor less committed to the role he was playing <laughs> and everything that, and because of that, he was magnetic on screen for me. The Saint is an extremely boring movie, but he he's okay in it. Like he's, he does that kind of like, I'm a spy really well. So even in this movie where he has nothing to do, not like anyone has anything to do in this movie, every line delivery is worthwhile. It honestly feels like he couldn't do a bad line delivery. If you put a gun to his head and said, say this like a bad actor, because I, I I have proof that that is not true. And it's called Batman forever, but go on. But I think he's fine in Batman for Batman not. forever he's is not a good movie, but he is. He's forever. He, he is somnambulistic in that film. <laughs> it is the worst Batman. movie. You didn't see I, Batman I, I and Robin. I, I, no, I, saw, I watched the first 40 minutes of Batman and Robin on VHS three years ago, and I couldn't get through it. So I won't wait. Say. Actually, hold on. You watched the first 40 minutes on VHS. Three years ago? <laughs> Three years ago? <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Everybody, shut up about Val Kilmer. Let's go through this. Um, so, okay. This is the most interesting so thing that's VHS. come out of this podcast. So, is, is this a VHS player that you own personally, your family owns? It is It is something I have. I think my dad gave it to me. I don't remember how. But it's like a VHS player that's in the TV. You okay. The VHS TV. Okay. <laughs> I had a buddy of mine who came over and we were like figuring out a movie to watch and he was like, do you want to watch Batman and Robin? And he didn't want to after he said that, but I insisted we watch it. We could only get through the first 40 minutes of it. So so that seems like the worst Batman movie because you finished Batman Forever? Well, I, Batman Forever I've watched the whole way through, so I don't want to say a movie I've only seen half of uh, is the worst. But Batman Forever is the worst, in my opinion, and Val Kilmer's by far the worst Batman. Michael Keaton's a close second. And what? Jesus get the fuck Christ. out of here! Get the fuck out of here and Bat go fuck Batman, yourself. Batman, because Michael Keaton gets nothing to do as Batman. Michael Keaton's a great actor, one of my favorites. And he's a good. I player. swear, I swear to God, between the two of you on this podcast, we should have just called it Hot Take Central. <laughs> because Hot take, whoa, my God, no, my takes are good. Douglas's takes are ill-informed and cold. It's true. It's true. Mm. Our next poll is going to be which takes are worse. <laughs> Come it doesn't on. really matter. It doesn't really matter what's coming out of Douglas's mouth because I still he's still nicer than you are, Michael. <laughs> so I'm gonna side with him. Like he could be well, like, yeah, he he like is. the best Hitler movie isn't Downfall. It's <laughs> I don't know what's that moon Nazi movie. <laughs> Iron Sky. Iron Sky. Iron Sky. Iron Sky is the best Hitler movie, and 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 then Michael will say something mean to Douglas, and I'll be like, Iron Sky is the best fucking Hitler movie. <laughs> well, that's the consequence of being the bad boy, you know. I <laughs> a little bit outside the outside the the norms, you know. Mike, like, the reason Michael's loud as a bad boy is because he's always revving up his Harley, you know, that he's always driving around town with his jacket, picking up chicks. Go into a controlled slide. <laughs> um, so anyway, so we can go into kind of like things that we want to mention. Final thoughts here. Obviously, we weren't going to get to everything in this movie. I'll just say my my final thought. I kind of mentioned it midway through this podcast in that if, if, if you were to say which one should I watch, I'm going to say Mission to Mars. I think you guys have convinced me, or at least the discussion of these movies has convinced me, that at the very least, Red Planet is just not worth anyone's time. Mission to Mars is a terrible, frustrating failure, but at the very least, that 
that's there's something to talk about there. There's something to talk about in the context of Brian De Palma's career. There's something to talk about in this idea of these three kind of stars that they were kind of gunning for the A-list and they had various levels of success. The ideas on screen are more interesting to discuss. So it is a two-hour slog that has a couple of good moments and a couple of good ideas. But at the end of the day... Red Planet is just wasting everyone's time because there's nothing to talk about. Uh, Aaron, I'm going to save uh, people some time and just kind of like ditto you right there. I think that uh, I rarely – so that my uh, quick ad- addendum to that is that I rarely feel like uh, I wa- a movie wasted my time. Very, very rarely. I feel like even bad movies I learned something from. Like, I learned a lot out of two out of five movies. Like, uh, I, I learned these, like, lessons or, like, uh, sometimes two out of five movies are just, like, they have something to offer, but it's just not really a movie. It's just a collection of things. Uh, so, I don't Red mean Pl- to pause you. I honestly, it took me a second to realize you weren't, like, I learned something out of 40% of the movies I watch. No, no. Just <laughs> movies that rate, like, two, two, out two of stars. Five. Yeah, gotcha. Yes, the two star <laughs> movies. <laughs> oh, uh, I, I, learned, I learned a lot lot out of two star movies uh probably more than three star movies maybe um but uh because three star movies at least passed the muster right like they 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 like got past my censors um but a two star movie didn't get past my censors and i have to think about why um but like a red red planet is a movie that i don't think um i learned anything from yeah um whereas i feel like i learned something from every single bad movie and sometimes the lessons that i learned from the movie make me like the movie more in retrospect movies inform how you look at movies so uh but yeah basically ditto what aaron said plus uh plus that i didn't learn anything from red planet and mission to mars at least gave me that sweet sweet brian de palma uh energy and that that texture that i love so much and the camera work uh, that I just I just can't get enough of it, and even when it's it's Brian De Palma not doing his best work, uh, it's definitely not his best work with actors. That's for sure. It's, it's, I'd say uh, it's the worst movie. It's the worst movie by him I've ever seen. I think so, The Fury is a lot worse. Um, I haven't have not yeah. seen it. I guess I'll go next. Uh, basically, yeah, I think Aaron really hit the nail on the head. Um, if I had to add something, it would basically be that I think that the problem is that neither are good movies. Um, they're both pretty bad. Um, but the difference is that Red Planet insults you. It insults the audience in that the people making it thought that this was acceptable in some way for your <laughs> viewing. Um, whereas I think there are ways to justify Mission to Mars um, on, on certain intellectual or artistic levels, even though it's not good, but Red Planet is, is, I would say, actively insulting. And that is, is, you know, if you had to choose between one of the two, it would have to be Mission to Mars. But don't see either of them because they're not really very good. Unless you're doing a complete, like, I get, like, following filmographies, so if you're doing right, a right, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. If you're yeah. doing the filmography of the director of Red Planet, yeah, I mean... We've all done it. We all did it. We've this all week. done it. We've all completed it. <laughs> okay, my final thoughts on these two. Um, in a nutshell, Mission to Mars starts out strong, has some decent character interactions, but then it just gets really boring. But there's enough like audacious stuff to at least be sort of barely interesting. And Red Planet is just a total snooze with an awful lead performance. Don't see that under any circumstances. Just don't. First, stop. Stop saying bad things about Val Kilmer. I will not. Val Kilmer. 
Don't you like Prince of Egypt? Isn't that like one of your favorite movies, Doug? I I don't. I've never said anything about Prince of Egypt. I've seen it. But no, I'm pretty sure you said that. I've, but anyways, I've never said that. I'll, I'll I'll give it to Michael. That's a fair assumption to make. That is a fair <laughs> assumption to make because all millennials I mean, love. Prince you talked. What did you what What did you talk about? Home on the Range or something? <laughs> I talked about. I talked about a lot of things. Like the I last saw... Disney movie where they're like, fuck it, maybe we should just not be a thing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Um, uh, so anyway, uh, so, uh, so yeah, <laughs> we're fucking done. We are, you know, everyone... Did, Doug, did you do final thoughts? I did do yeah, Doug, let's give us your final, your final review, your nutshell review okay. or what you thought of these movies and the experience of watching it. Okay. Yeah, give us the... This will lead into plugs. Mm. Give us the nerd in the basement experience. The nerd in the basement experience. All right. But in all seriousness, um, my experience in watching these movies was interesting because I'd never seen any trailers for them or really heard all that much about them except for like De Palma and Mission to Mars that sometimes comes. Well, you were four <laughs> and it came out. I was begging my mom at the time to take me to the new De Palma movie. But like, no, go to preschool. It's got Sinise. <laughs> I need my Connie Nielsen. But um, in all seriousness, Mission to Mars is an okay, reasonably entertaining movie for the first third for me because the characters <coughs> I think are decent. Uh, a couple of nice shots. He does it. Uh, Brian De Palma does his split typometer shots a few times, which is nice. Uh, and then it just becomes kind of boring. But there's a little bit of audaciousness in it, so that's a little interesting. And then Red Planet is just a total waste of time and effort, and it's just so boring and bad. And I wish it had been better, because there's some good people in it, like Carrie Ann Moss, but Red Planet is a total store. Mission to Mars is infinitely better. Um, yeah, I don't have much more to add beyond that, but just trying to get through Red Planet was such a chore, I'll freely admit. I was like, <laughs> there were some times where I was like, can I just pause this and not? But I endured. I made it for... For the Kilmer. Other movies that Doug uh, felt that about were Days of Heaven, uh, Tree of Life. <laughs> Tree of Life. Red Planet. Oh, it, is, it is weird, Aaron, that I'm not on your team in this one. Well, I guess your team is that they both suck. But it is weird that... Uh, well, hold on. You I, said on, for on my team. final thoughts that Ditto... I feel like you're on my team. <laughs> I am you can kind hardly of... I, be le- you can hardly be more on someone's team than just say Ditto after what they say. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. Patrick Swayze was on Demi Moore's team. Or how, or how the Pokemon Ditto. <laughs> Were they in a movie called Ditto? I don't get the joke. <laughs> I guess you haven't you haven't seen you haven't seen Ghost. You don't know Ghost. I've never Whatever. seen Ghost. Oh my goodness. Um, but it is weird that Ghost, Ghost is the one that you're like planting your flag. Like, oh my god, no, but it, not it seen was the Ghost. highest. It was the highest grossing movie of 1990, a year that you were alive and I wasn't. And uh, none of us uh, were alive except for Aaron. He was alive in that prehistoric. Yeah, we if we did a ga- if we did a game for this one, it would have been like. How am I the old person in this <laughs> podcast? But Aaron, what I was saying is it is weird that I'm not on the slight defense of Red Planet, considering that Red Planet is yeah. like the, the trashy Val Kilmer movie. Yeah. But like yeah. overall, overall, I just think Mission to Mars worked better for, for me. I agree. Um, it it is kind of weird. No, it is weird. But I also feel like I just liked Red Planet. I didn't like Red Planet. I just liked it more <laughs> watching it. Like, as I was watching it, I'm like, at least I'm not falling asleep. Gotcha. If your version of, like, this is a better movie is, like, I am somewhat invested into where this all goes. Like, that. that's it. And Mission to Mars, unfairly a little bit, 
I wasn't invested where where it went because I knew where it went. And I it just didn't it didn't nothing about it besides the the walking around the spaceship like stood out to me in a way that it didn't when I wanted to walk out of the movie, you know, 15 years ago, 17 years ago, whatever it was. So I'm probably not being fully fair to Mission to Mars, but like I said, it's not worth your time. But don't watch Red Planet for any reason. Jesus Christ! Don't. You know, we've been we've been doing our final judgments of this of these two movies for like twelve minutes. So final yeah, thoughts. Let's, let's, let's move been, on. This has so, been yeah, interminable. I, I agree. As the movie a lot of it. A lot of it's going to come out editing, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> so final thoughts. Mission to Mars starts at a barbecue. Uh, they're all sitting around. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's okay. um, anyway, so, so guys, thank you so much for coming on this very, uh, off format episode. Uh, Michael, we're definitely gonna have to have you back on for just a normal episode, which I know you've been on before. Doug, Hell we yeah. are absolutely gonna need to have you on for, uh, just a normal episode because you haven't had the chance okay, cool. to I, be on one before. Guys, I am so privileged to be here. I, I would love to be here again because you guys are awesome and I'm so thankful and grateful you guys let me be on your podcast. Just be a little silly. All right, turn it down a little bit, but, okay. um... <laughs> don't tone it down. Wait, hold on. Oh, don't, don't, yeah, don't, don't tone that. it down, Michael. I want you to. I want you to thank us at least a little bit, and then we'll get to self promotion. <laughs> thank you guys. Thank you guys for having me on. What's our names, Michael? <laughs> and Peter. King Peter. <laughs> Wait. Fuck you, Doug. Now I'm on Michael's team. No, uh, I'm, on, I'm on team Michael now. Yeah. We used to be best friends with Douglas. Now I'm on team Michael. Oh, yeah. No. So, uh, so yeah, you guys were both, though, uh, we do, uh, we, you guys are both very active in writing. I read, uh, Douglas's website oh, on a weekly basis. I own Michael's book. Damn. So why don't you guys get a chance to promote yourselves a little here? Well, uh, I run a website called Land of the Nerds. Um, you can find that at www.landofthenerds.blogspot.com. Uh, I update it daily with movie reviews. Try to get two of those bad boys in each day. And we also have some weekly columns. And love it if you check uh, my stuff out. Because I'm always watching movies, always reviewing stuff, and it's all kinds of different movies. So give Land of the Nerds a read if you can. Really appreciate it. On to you, Michael. I've recommended other sites before on the show. I don't think anybody is as prolific and consistent as <laughs> yeah. Douglas. He never <laughs> he you. never reaches like he never seems to reach like exhausted months where like every single blog I read, even my favorite blogs, at some point you're like, oh, you must just be tired of writing this thing. <laughs> like, and then you come back the next month, and a lot of and the good ones are still writing, right? Uh, and, and, and here's the thing about Douglas too. If I can heap a little praise on him for a sec, I, I made a few. I, I made a few jokes about Malik, but I feel like he goes into every movie with a eye that I don't have. I feel like Doug, you see stuff that you don't like in movies. That I mean, I, I feel like you and you and I have very different opinions on a lot of movies, but we. You have the same aesthetic as our show, which is I love movies and I just like to wrap myself around in them <laughs> and be a part of their world in some way. It's very true. And this this was not a great episode that reflects that. <laughs> yeah, everyone's but, like, what? 
but I but I I don't feel like you're you you are looking for movies to love. And at the end of the day, that's you know why all of us I think are talking about them and spend so much of our times on this. Not not just watching it because that would be one thing, but discussing it is because we're we're always looking for that next uh, Mrs. X Malcolm from <laughs> Jurassic Park. Great reference. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. I need to go to bed. We started way too late. <laughs> I'm an adult. Morning. Doug. Yes. You're wonderful. I, Please you're, come back. You're wonderful too, Aaron. Thank you so much, man. Michael. Uh, Michael. Yes. You're great too. <laughs> uh, next week. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, well, uh, like Doug, uh, you can see some of my writings on the Solute. He is so prolific compared to me that I, there's not even a comparison. Uh, he writes at a clip that uh, puts me to shame. Um, I feel disgusted with myself. Dude, you're a better writer than me, though. So <laughs> this is the worst self promotion I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, dude, sell yourself. You're awesome. Anyways, I uh, I hope to focus more on my writing now that I finished my master's degree. But you can see my stuff there. I might have a thing going up in a few days. Uh, you can check out an essay of mine in. Um, Matt Zoller cites as the Oliver Stone experience. No comments on current events. And uh, should this? I don't know. Maybe should should we mention uh, our our uh, the uh, the experiment, the uh, the Michael Douglas experiment? I think we can go tease ahead. It. I'm a couple beers deep. Go ahead. <laughs> here's what here's what I'll say. You need to record a pilot before you get everyone really excited about it so <laughs> good point okay so i so i'm edit this out we're not uh, no we're not, i'm not yeah, no i'm not going to edit it out because people should be excited about it but if these motherfuckers <laughs> ever get off their asses <laughs> there may be another podcast that you will hear them on besides this one you'll hear my lovely pipes but don't sit at home with bated breath <laughs> But yeah, that could be something to look forward to in the future. I mean, it won't be, but it could be. <laughs> it could be. It could be. Oh, I'm, t- um, I'm, I'm, I'm like trying to like nag you guys into doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like. Uh, so yeah. So thank you guys so much for being on, Peter. Next week course, we are wrapping. We are wrapping up Double Trouble Month with Leviathan and Deep Star 6, 1989 sea monster movies, uh, both that do not have the greatest reputation, but Peter Weller, Weller. sea monsters. This this really feels like a little bit of a step back into us being like, we found a lot to like (laughs) in these movies that everyone kind of shrugged at. Next week might be kind of interesting because we might be continuing the uh, underwater action scene discussion, but I haven't seen either of the movies, so we'll have to see. Yep, me me either. So this it's going to be a Peter and Aaron show, and uh, then we're wrapping up Double Trouble Month. We're moving on to a month that we don't know yet. Uh, you will know by the time this this comes out, but uh, we're doing the poll for July. It's it sounds like it's down to John Carpenter or Sore Thumbs, the video game movies. Uh, it's tied right now. Uh, so if you get uh, enough votes in, though, you can still get one of the other two options: uh, summer camp and then uh, future jail are the other two options. So if you can get enough votes in, you can uh, dethrone those two options. But we're closing the, the we're closing the polls very soon. 
I mean, by the time this comes out, it will have been closed for yes. a few days. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, actually, that's true. The poll so, will be closed, and we will have announced what the poll is. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Peter's saying that to Douglas Live, that if you want to get some friends to vote for something, do it. But for you listeners, you already know, because you hopefully saw a post about it on Facebook. And I don't have any friends, so that's a pretty useless advice. So, <laughs> this is all cuttable. Otherwise, guys, um, I really uh, will probably talk to you guys tomorrow in some capacity. Uh, but uh, but thank you guys again so much for coming on. This was a lot of fun. And we can't wait to have you back for, uh, for a more general We Love to Watch format. Sweet. I can't wait to come back. This was a blast, as always. It's such so much fun. Yes. Thank you very much, guys. And Val Kilmer, I do love you. Just so you know, if you're listening, don't he hate is. me. He is listening. <laughs> he reads my website and he's very distraught. All right, we need to, we need to call this out now. <laughs> Let me take you on a little trip. My supersonic ship at your disposal if you feel so inclined. But all right. We're going to travel faster than light. So do up your overcoat tight and we'll go anywhere you want to decide. to we love to watch if you want to get in touch with us please reach out to us at either our website wltwpodcast.com or our facebook group facebook.com backslash we love to watch and uh yeah reach out to us give us some feedback give us some support uh, suggest movies for the show all that we are also available on soundcloud tune in stitcher and itunes thanks for listening